This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Comic Book History Lessons, where we talk about the history of some of your favorite heroes, stories, and everything in between. Hello! Hi, um, in case you forgot, my name is Ambrosia, and this is Comic Book History Lessons. Do you remember how I said that, like, I'm not going to fall behind, I'm going to do weekly to bi-weekly um, podcasting? Yeah, well... <laughs> I felt behind, but it's fine because we weren't like six months behind like prior. I'm just like a couple weeks behind, but my dude, it's fine because today is going to be a good one. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you are taking care of yourself. Make sure to drink water, try to get some sleeps and you know, take care of your mental health because you and your well-being are important. Um, which is also like, you know, why sometimes I don't uh, get things done always on time. Okay, here's the thing. Is that I have spread myself out like too thin for my entire life. Like I've always worked multiple jobs while like going to school full time and like going on hours of sleep. Like no, little of hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and now guys, I, it, oh, it's so hard to do. And so I really, really do try to like balance like taking care of myself while keeping up with all of the things that I am a part of because you truly can't fill up someone else's cup unless you your cup is filled. So please take care of yourself um, and I hope you're all doing well. All right, let's dive into what comic books I have been reading. So um, last week or when you should be hearing this, uh, Venom issue number five came out. Um, listen, I've heard mixed reviews of people thinking, what they like about Venom. I've really been enjoying this, okay? I have loved this Dylan Brock story, and I'm all for it. Um, also, I have been really, really loving Spider-Man. Um, 
Amazing Spider-Man, I think issue 89 was the last one. Um, I was really kind of over the Kindred stuff, which I know I talk about all the time, but it was probably like my least favorite. So I'm really excited to have what has been going on there. And we've been having like, this gave us uh, Black Cat and Mary Jane, who if you know me, Mary Jane is my least favorite. However, I do love some Black Cat and together they are a great duo. So there's that. Definitely check that out. And then we've been having Ben Riley, which has been just really cool to see again. And we also, Ben Riley has his own comic out. Uh, issue 1 came out a couple weeks ago. So also go check that out because honestly, it was also really good. It's um, definitely a journey of who Ben Riley is and separating himself from... Peter Parker. Uh, also, random fact, if you follow me on TikTok, I talked about this random fact a couple weeks ago, but in case you didn't know, Ben Riley's name actually comes from, like, a big part of Peter Parker. So, Ben obviously comes from Uncle Ben and Riley, which is actually Aunt May's maiden name. It was May Riley. So, then we have... Ben Riley, which I thought was super cool. So, yeah. All right. Anyways, moving on. In terms of DC, I haven't been reading a ton of DC, but last week or uh, the most recent uh, thing I read from DC was Batman The Night. There are a ton of Batman titles out right now, but I've been loving, even though we're only on issue two, Batman The Night. I love Alfred. And if you love a good Alfred story, definitely check this out because it kind of dives deeper into um, Bruce's Alfred, Bruce and Alfred's relationship, which is awesome. What's some independence? Um, I just got caught up on what's the furthest place from here. There are currently four issues out and it has been such a wild ride. Like you truly don't know what to expect in each issue. And that has that in itself has been really cool. Um, Rain issue number two. Uh, I it has a little special place in my heart for one. Um, I am a huge Stephen King fan, and this is written by Joe Hill, which is his son. I know two completely different writers, but oddly enough, they write a lot about uh, things. Like, one of a popular location that they write about is Colorado, and I live in Colorado, and this takes place in Boulder, so I always think that's really cool. But this in itself is just also a really interesting story. Um, And then Primordial, also a really, really good story, but anything written by Jeff Lemire, chef's kiss love it so go ahead and go check some of those books out um or find me on instagram social on all my socials and tell me uh what comic books you've been checking out recently all right so let's dive in to today's uh topic um and just a heads up of just remember please be gentle with me if i mispronounce anything if i say something incorrectly if i stutter my dudes we're all human. And with my podcast, like with everything that I post on social media, um, I know social media is like super fake. And But my goal is to not make my stuff fake. I want it to be as like uh, genuine and who um, I am as possible. And uh, I stutter. I say things incorrectly. I've had speech problems. So, you know, bear with me. Because, you know, we're all in this together. We're all humans. But I'm like us humanoids we have some cool superheroes to talk about and we are still in the 1940s but today there's so much history and so we are going to buckle up because we are going to go on a wild ride from the 1940s to today so we have lots of time jumping um not necessarily time jumping just a long timeline to get covered so let's go all right we are still in the 1940s 
And today we are going to talk about the first superhero team, which is the Justice League. I am just kidding. I was tricking you to see if you caught on. It's fine. It's fine. Um, it's actually the Justice Society of America, and they were introduced to us in 1940. Um, we have talked a lot about first. Uh, we've talked about like first women, first superheroes, all that stuff. Um, and now we are going to continue on that, and we are going to talk about the first superhero team, which is the Justice Society of America. Um, the first superhero team, commonly known as the J. S.A. So saying the Justice um, Society of America is kind of a long, like, that's just a lot. So we're just going to shorten it to the JSA. The first superhero team, the JSA, were first seen on the cover of All-Star Comics issue number three. The founding members of the team are The Atom, Dr. Fate, Green Lantern, Hawkman, The Flash, The Sandman, Our Man, and the Spectra. Um, it was written by Gardner Fox, who also doesn't get enough credit in the comic book world. Gardner Fox is known as the co-creator of DC Comic Heroes, Barbara Gordon, Ayo, and the original Flash, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Nantana, and the original Sandman. So Mr. Fox did some also some amazing stuff in this comic book world. Um, he also introduced the concept of the multiverse uh, to DC Comics in the uh, 1961 story Flash of Two Worlds, which we will be talking about here shortly. So just know that Mr. Gardner Fox um, did some amazing things. So since some of these characters, such as the Adam, the Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman, were published, uh, they were all published by All American Publications rather than DC Comics. All Star Comics issue number three is the first intercompany superhero title, as well as the first team up title. Way to go, All Star Comics. Uh, the first GSA story featured the team's first meeting with a framing sequence for each member telling a story of an individual ex uh, exploit. Um, in the next issue, the team worked together on a common case, but each story from there on still featured the members individually on a mission involving part of the case and then banding together in the end to wrap things up. An in-house rule said out on the last page of All-Star Comics, reprinted on page 206 of All-Star Comics Archives Volume 1, required that whenever a member received his or her own title, the character would leave All-Star Comics, becoming honorary member of the GSA. Thus, The Flash was replaced by Johnny Thunder after issue number 6, and Green Lantern left shortly uh, after the for the same reason which like I don't understand why you cannot have your own title but also be like part of a like team it was almost like <laughs> oh, we're too good for you go figure it out by yourself um which that's not cool anyways um so for this reason technically Superman and Batman um weren't part of the JSA but they were technically established as being honorary members prior to All-Star Comics. So at one point Batman and Superman were apparently part of the JSA. However, you know, they had their own titles. So <laughs> they're just honorary members. 
But I feel like that is just a, you know, Superman, Batman move to make anyways. Um, we did not know how Batman and Superman helped found the JSA before they became honorary members. Uh, and it wasn't explained until the DC special issue number 29 that came out in 1977. Hawkman is the only member to appear in every JSA adventure in the original run of All-Star Comics. You go, Hawkman. Why don't we talk about him more? He deserves more credit. All-Star Comics issue number eight featured the first appearance of Wonder Woman, which we will talk about Wonder Woman another day. But unlike the other characters who had their own title, she was allowed to appear in the series, but only as JSA's secretary. Yeah, mm -hmm, that's right. Um, So she had her own title, but... She only could be the JSA secretary uh, from issue 11 onward and did not actively take part in most adventures until much later in the series. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan. She was excluded from the title because of the same roles that had excluded the Flash, Green Lantern, Superman, and Batman from the title. Though in issue number 11, it was claimed that she became an active member. Man, there's a lot of roles and I don't know if I'm a fan, especially if Wonder Woman had to. Like, can you imagine having all of her cool powers and being like, sorry, Wonder Woman, can you please take notes? Also, can you go refill my coffee? Uh, yeah, no. Um, a fan club for the team called, oh yeah, so this was also like, what was really cool is from this, we got our first fan club. Uh, a fan club for the team was called the Junior Justice Society of America, and it was introduced in All-Star Comics issue number 14. The membership kit included a welcome letter, a badge, a decoder, a four-page comic book, and a membership certificate. Guys, I wish we had stuff like this again. Um, I mean, we have things like Marvel Collector Core, uh, like some of the other collector boxes, but I don't, like, I think they're, I feel like they're more geared towards the movies and not, like, comic-based. I think that this would be a great idea to have for kids um, to get them excited about comics. I feel like so many things are just so geared at collectors which I'm a collector as well I get it but at the same time there are so many things like that should be geared for kids and getting them like excited for comics and to you know hey okay I need my editor-in-chief to write this down that we should talk to some peeps about having like a, a, a comic box geared towards kids. I don't know. Um, we need to have those again because I think that would just be super spectacular. I get so stoked when I get like my Comics Weekly. Um, even when I get my Scout monthly comic subscription. subscription. Um, and if you are a gal on here or um, and if you get the FabFitFun boxes, like you know how exciting it is to get like a box and it's like Christmas all over again. So I think we need to bring those back. Anyways, we have this really, really cute fan club. Love it. Um, but by All-Star Comics issue number 24, a divide, oh, I hate divides, between National Comics and All-American Publications, um, the independent company ran by Max Gaines and Jack Libowitz had occurred, which resulted in, in the Detective Comics Incorporated heroes being removed from the title. 
As a result, The Flash and Green Lantern returned to the team. With issue number 27, National Comics bought out Max Gaines' share of All-American, and the two companies merged to form Detective Comics, Inc. The JSA roster remained mostly the same for the rest of the series. Gardner Fox left the series with issue number 34 with the story that introduced a new supervillain named The Wizard. Um, the Injustice Society, yep, that's right, the Injustice Society, first battled the JSA in issue number 37. And who is the G? The, oh my gosh. Who is the Injustice Society? Well, they were a group of supervillains in the DC Comics universe. They were the main villains of the Justice Society of America. And we also got the second female member who is the Black Canary. And she first helped the group in All-Star Comics issue number 38 and became a full member in issue number 41. Hopefully she wasn't the secretary. Uh, she wasn't. But All-Star Comics and the JSA's Golden Age adventures ended with issue number 57. And the title was becoming All-Star Western. Yeah. So it became a Western with no heroes. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Um, and that in itself is like, oof. So the original All-Star Western began with issue number 58. I don't even know why they would do that. Oh, well, okay. I know why. And kind of. We'll talk about it. So the original All-Star Western began with issue 58. And because of the post-war decline in popularity of superheroes... DC Comics changed the series format and title and was considered a Western fiction, which was continuing characters in anthological, anthological, is that a thing? Anthology stories. No. Um, so can you imagine reading, like expecting to get your all-star comics, like and expecting like superheroes and everything. And then out of nowhere, it's a Western. Like at that point, why don't you just start with issue one? Like all-star Western issue one instead of, issue 58 i don't know things were weird i mean i guess i i, I you know I, I don't know i don't know but yeah so they went from all-star comics with some like really cool heroes to a um western if, i mean if that's up your alley then that's all for it i just knew that i, I myself would be personally disappointed but anywho back to the jsa we're done with westerns um, the explanation for the team's disappearance and the inactivity of most of the roster after the early 1950s was first given in Adventure Comics issue 466, which explained that most of the society chose to disband and retire rather than appear in front of the Joint Un-American Activities Committee, which demanded that they unmask themselves. What? So they would much rather retire than, like, take off their masks. Yeah, you stick to your guns, my friends. But they didn't have guns. It was safe. Um, the chairmanship of the Justice Society mostly resided with Hawkman. Although, like it should, because, you know, he's the longest member. Although, initially, the Flash and later Green Lantern took turns leading the team for a brief period in 1942. They were known as the Justice Battalion. I like it. As they became an extension of the armed forces of the United States of America during World War II. 
It was later explained that the reason of the JSA did not invade Europe and end the war was because of the influence of the Spear of Destiny, which caused the JSA's most powerful members to fall under the control of it, of, you know, Adolf Hitler. Um, in the 1980s, it was established that the JSA had a loose affiliation uh, with the All-Star Squadron. Adventures were set in the 1940s and um, were considered to have happened concurrently with the Justice Societies in a retcon. Um, so going back to like the whole Adolf Hitler stuff uh, in World War II, it makes me laugh now when people say like, Ugh, Kavak shouldn't talk about politics. Like, this This shouldn't even be a thing. Well, my dudes, I'm so sorry. But comics started off in politics. And this is why we have superheroes. This is why they were created was to, you know, fight fight the bad guys and and take out the garbage. Um, Sorry, no, no offense. Yes, yes, please take offense. Because... No, that that's what comics is about. It's it's fighting uh, fighting for society and fighting for the justice of it all. Hence, the Justice Society of America. Um also it makes me like wonder if like what they would fight well, like what would they fight for now? Like with all the things going on, I know what they would do, but I'm just how would other people take it? Hmm. Anyways, all right. The headquarters of the JSA was a hotel suite in New York City. Initially, um, and after the war, the team settled on a brownstone building in Gotham City and later in Civic City. For a very brief period, the JSA was provided with a satellite headquarters. So kind. Uh, I also realized I really have to enunciate JSA because I do talk a little fast and sometimes I realize that it comes out uh, G-S-A. Um, so I apologize. Know that I mean J-S-A. But, you know, words. Letters. They all just come blah. Um, <laughs> having successfully introduced new versions of several characters like the Flash and Green Lantern during the late 1950s, DC tapped industry veteran and former Justice Society writer Gardner Fox, hey, to create a new version of the Justice Society. Um, editor Julius Schwartz, influenced by the popularity of Major League Baseball's National League and American League, decided to change the name of the team from Justice Society to Justice League. Okay, so this is where things get a little, like, tricky. But they didn't just change the name. So the Justice League did not replace the Justice Society. Remember how I told you that Gardner Fox introduced the crazy concept of multiverse. This is where we're going to dive into that. So Mr. Fox, he was he was a genius. And also, like, you know, it's a little little confusing. So buckle up. So no, the J the Justice League did not replace the Justice Society, we just got a multiverse, to reintroduce some of the original versions of newly invented characters like the flash which we will talk about the flash right now so in the flash 
issue 123 that came out in September of 1961, The Flash of Two Worlds, the Silver Age Flash, meets his Golden Age counterpart, Jay Gurick. Which, if you remember, go listen to my Flash story a couple episodes ago. Um, who, along with the rest of the original Justice Society, is said to inhabit an alternate universe. This historic meeting became one of the classic DC comics of the Silver Age. Fan letters on the pages of the following issues were widely enthusiastic about the revival of the original Flash. Both from the older fans who remembered the old JSA tales and the younger fans were super stoked to learn about some of these new heroes. So like, you know, it met the middle, which I, we need to have more fans like this, like fans who, older fans who are excited, younger fans who are excited. Like, let's not do this gatekeeping or like this weird thing where we don't like things because it wasn't the same. I don't know. We see it in the Star Wars community. Come on, guys. Can we just like be friends and enjoy things? Okay, anyways, rant over. Further meetings occurred in the flash of 19, uh, sorry. We see more meetings uh, of the flash in these, like, members of new members and old members in the flash issue 129 called Double Danger on Earth. And the flash issue 137, Vengeance of the Immortal Villain. The Flash issue 129 contains the first mention of the JSA in Silver Age and refers directly to their last adventure in All-Star Comics issue number 57, while in The Flash 137, the JSA reform. These stories set the stage for Crisis on Earth 1. Justice League, and that appears in the Justice League issue number 21 that came out in August of 1963. And Crisis on Earth 2, which came out in Justice League of America, issue number 22, that came out of September of 1963. I know, that's a lot, sorry. A two-part tale where the Golden Age Justice Societies team up with the Silver Age Justice League to combat a team of villains from both worlds. Aww, dream team, or teamwork is the dream work. The following year, Earth 3 was introduced with Justice League of America in issue number 29, Crisis on Earth 3, which came out in August of 1964. Whew, there's a lot. So we have Crisis on Earth 1, Crisis on Earth 2, Crisis on Earth 3. When are the crises going to end? Never. Anyways, um, the Earth features an evil version of the Justice League known as the Crime Syndicate of America, who consists of Superwoman, who is the evil version of Wonder Woman, Owlman, who is the evil version of Batman, Ultraman, an evil version of Superman, Johnny Quick, the evil version of The Flash, and Power Ring. Can you guess? Can you guess? It's the evil version of, if you gre- uh, if you guessed Green Lantern, you won. Good job. Um, which, honestly, guys, I love the Crime Syndicate. I think they are, like, I enjoy most of their stories. They're fun. Uh, go, go check them out. Go read them. These stories became the first in a long series of team-ups of the two supergroups as an annual summer tradition, and which continued until 1985. Uh, these meetings produced a considerable number of notable events and characters in JSA history, including Black Canary, leaving to join the Justice League, and the return of the Golden Age team 
the Seven Soldiers of Victory, the creation of the Freedom Fighters, which incorporated several quality comic characters into DC continuity after the characters were purchased by DC Comics, and uh, the introduction of a number of other alternative Earths to house these other teams. Man, I feel like just comic book companies had just like trading cards of these characters, and they're like, I'll trade you these characters for these characters, and boom. As well as the annual Justice League of America appearance, a member of the JSA's guest starred in other titles over the next several years. The Golden Age Adam in The Adam, issue number 29 and issue number 36, and The Golden Age Green Lantern in several issues of Green Lantern. In addition, a number of characters appeared in team-up stories and issues of DC titles. The Brave and the Bold in Showcase, while the Spectre was given a solo run in uh, the latter, which led to his own series. Some JSA members during this period residing on Earth 2 were portrayed as middle-aged versions of younger contemporary Earth 1 counterparts. So I guess we have um, Mr. Fox, do you think, for like this multiverse where it's so hard to keep track of everyone because this is like where all this stems from. Yeah. So... (laughs) Uh, the Earth 2 characters portrayal as older than their counterparts eased incorporation of the existing fictional history of the Justice Society of America into newly written stories about Earth 2 characters. Later, this fictional age gap was to become a major theme for character development with the fictional histories of different versions of the same character deviating significantly from each other in ways impacted by their differences in age, including the deaths of popular characters such as Batman in one setting while different, um, while uh, with contemporary versions of characters lived uh, uh, on inhabitants of a different fictional Earth. Yeah. It's, it's a headache. I apologize. Um, the JSA's popularity grew until they regained their own title. All-Star Comics issue number 58 in the beginning uh, of 1976 saw the group return as mentors to the younger set of heroes briefly called the Super Squad until they were uh, integrated into the JSA properly. I love when we have those mentor relationships. Um, it just brings my heart so joy. It's so cute. Um, This run lasted until issue number 74, with a brief run thereafter in Adventure Comics issue 461 through 466. But it had three significant developments. We got introduced to Power Girl in All-Star Comics issue number 58. The Death of the Golden Age Batman in Adventure Comics issue 461 through 462. And nearly 40 years, uh, it finally provided the JSA with an origin story in DC special issue number 29. The Huntress was also introduced in DC Superstars issue number 17, which told her origin in All-Star Comics issue 69, Don't Be Weird, uh, which was published the same day. JSA continued their annual team-ups with Justice League. Notable events included meeting the Fawcett comic heroes, including Captain Marvel, the death of Mr. Terrific, and the origin of Black Canary. The Justice League 
and the Justice Society crossover often um, involved a third team as well as the Legion of Superheroes, New Gods, um, the society, sorry, the Secret Society of Supervillains, and the All Star Squadron. All Star Squad. I don't know why those SQ words are so hard. The All Star Squadron. There we go. Was a series taking place in the JSA's original setting of the wartime in the 1940s. Um, this led to a spinoff modern day series entitled Infinity Incorporated, which starred the children and the hairs of the JSA members. Both series were written by noted JSA fan Roy Thomas, which I love. Um, and it featured artwork by Rich Buckler, Jay Ordway, and you should all know this name, Todd McFarlane. In 1985, DC reconned many details of the DC universe in the Crisis on Infinite Earth. See, I told you that we weren't going to be done with the crises. Among the change, the Golden Age Superman, Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman ceased to exist on Earth 1, Earth 2, um, sorry, and the Earth 1, Earth 2 dichotomy, which resolved by merging the multiverse into a single universe. This posed, of course, a problem for the JSA, whose history, especially in the 1980s comics, were strongly tied up with these characters. Whew, guys, multiverses get so... Ugh. The JLA and JSA team-up ended with the last pre-crisis team-up occurring in the Justice League of America issue 244 and Infinity Incorporated issue number 19 during the crisis. However, I feel like these crises will never be done. Uh, in 1986, DC decided to write off the JSA. The last days of the Justice Society, one shot involved most of the team battling the forces of evil while merged with Norse gods. So fans could either be a hit or a miss. Like they either could like do great things or they could, you know, stir the pot. In this case, fans were amazing and they were able to push for a revival of the JSA in 1991. An eight-issue Justice Society of America limited series featuring a previously untold story set in the 1950s or published in 1991. In the final issue of the four-issue Armageddon Inferno limited series, the JSA returns to the modern-day DC Universe. In 1992, the JSA was given an ongoing monthly series titled Justice Society of America, though Justice Society of America was intended as an ongoing series and was popular with readers. The decision was made to cancel the book after the third issue's release. Twelve issues of the new series were ultimately commissioned, though publication itself ended with issue number 10. Portions of the remaining two issues originally intended for issue 11 and 12, which were part of a planned crossover with the Justice League Europe, were published in Justice League Europe in issues 49 and 50. Justice Society America included the first appearance of Jesse Quick, who was the daughter of the All-Star Squadron member Liberty Bell and Johnny Quick, who would go on to be a major figure in Flash 
Teen Titans, and later Justice Society comics. Not long after most of the team was incapacitated or killed in 19, sorry, in the 1994 crossover series Zero Hour Crisis in Time, and we were, uh, and were inactive for a while. The Justice Society was revived as a monthly series called JSA in 1999, which mixed the few remaining original members with younger counterparts. This incarnation of the team focused on the theme of generational legacy and carrying on the heroic example established by their predecessors. I love that so much. Um, in September of 2005, JSA's popularity led to a spin-off series, JSA Classified, which tells stories of the team as various points in, in, in its existence as well as spotlighting specific members in their solo stories. In December of 2006, a new series was launched with the creative team of Jeff Johns, Del a uh, Eaglesham, and Alex Ross. He, of course, he did the cover art. The beginning of the new series showed JSA veterans, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Wildcat choosing members of the new generation of superheroes to train. Again, I love that so much. Continuing a major theme from the previous JSA title, the series focused on the team being the caretakers of the superhero legacy from one generation to the next. The crossovers between the JLA and JSA began again with the lightning saga. Um, John's, uh, sorry, so Jeff John's was uh, a writer of the Justice Society of America and it ended in issue number 26. Another JLA, JSA crossover was in the Justice League of America, issue 44 through 48, and Justice Society of America, issues number 41 through 42, under the Brightest Day banner. And the final issue dealt with the relationship between Green Lantern and his son, Obsidian. Sorry, Obsidian. Obsidian. There we go. Following the Brightest Day story arc, readers were introduced to some new characters, to the team, such as Blue Devil and Manhunter. In issue number 49, there was an expansion to the JSA's roster by bringing back all the JSA All-Stars, except for Magog, who had been killed in the Justice League, Generation Lost, and Power Girl, who had unofficially departed from the JSA during the same series, as well as the original Liberty Bell. We were reintroduced to two new characters named Red Beetle and brought in Rai and Dark Knight, two Chinese superheroes uh, that were created for Batman. An ongoing series titled JSA All-Stars debuted with a, fe uh, with a February 2010 cover date and should not be confused with the JSA All-Stars, a limited series that was published from July 2003 to February 2004. The series focused on a second team that formed after the JSA split, calling themselves the All-Stars. The group included more of the newer and younger members of the JSA. DC ended up canceling JSA All-Stars uh, in issue number 18 of July of 2011 because of the events of Flashpoint, um, the DC 2011 summer event. But speaking of 2011, 
we got a reboot. Well, not we got. I guess uh, the entire universe, <laughs> DC universe, got a whole new reboot, um, and that is known as the New Fifty Two. Uh, the new universe started with the formation of the world's very first super team, the Justice League. Uh, the Justice Society was no more. So the beauty about comic books um, is like the death of characters and like you get to restart everything. And, you know, DC is kind of known for all of their um, reboots. And this was one of them. And so when they had their reboot of New 52, they didn't even start with Justice Society, but they started with the Justice League. But elements of the JSA still existed. So for starters, the New 52 brought on a new incarnation of Earth 2 and with it, new versions of many of the original JSA members. These heroes never truly migrated to... Um, Earth-1, and save for a handful of crossover events, remained a largely separate entity within the DC universe. And boom, we have the rebirth era. Um, we have yet to see the JSA make a comeback into the like rebirth era, but my dudes, anything is possible. Like with the amount of like crossovers and like random reboots and like random rules that are created like Wonder Woman, you are a secretary. Um, type things, you just never know what's going to happen. So I, even though we haven't seen it recently, not since uh, 2011. Well, yeah. Um, I think that we might see some JSA soon. So um, if we do, then you heard it first from comic book history lessons. But if not, then you didn't hear it. Uh, and you just got some cool backstory that was really long. But it was a lot. So um, one thing that's pretty cool is that we have the superhero team that is like somewhat still together because it's very rare that we have i mean besides like superman and batman who are like some of the first characters but like a whole team um together so it's just nice to see that family sticks together and i'm sure you could insert some like fast and the furious quote in there somewhere but but my dudes, we talked about a lot and we covered a lot. Um, I definitely recommend uh, checking out some of the Justice Society of America's uh, comic books and stories because they are just so fun and wholesome that you definitely should give them a go because they are different than the Justice League and I think it's really important to um, to separate them and know that they are two different entities. However, it is still teamwork. And together as a team, you are stronger. So let's end with a famous quote. Um, this isn't by uh, a theme. Well, it is by a famous writer, but um, it's it's gonna be it, it's a Superman quote, okay? Okay. But Superman himself said, "I once thought I could protect the protect the world by myself." But I was wrong. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stay together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. And I think that just overall says a lot. Um, because for once, as much as we think that we could do things by ourselves and that we are um, capable of doing everything by ourselves, uh, 
unfortunately we cannot and we need each other to truly um change this world and to make this world a better place whether it's your um with your immediate family or like you know the little things or like the big things like climate change um so it's something that i really focus on is that you know it's it's this a partnership with people and everyone that you can't just guard yourself and you have to open yourself up and be willing to work with others even though i know sometimes it's not fun um and you know but at the end of the day you have to be vulnerable and you have to let um other people who have strengths that might be your weaknesses and vice versa and that is how together we could save the world so on that note you can find me on twitter and instagram at ambrosia underscore linda uh you can find me on tiktok at comics and cupcakes and i'm also on a live show called wednesday warriors live with my friend joey galvez and we talk about new weekly comics and just overall nerdy news and so that is uh every wednesday at 7 p.m mountain standard time on youtube twitch uh, Facebook and all those other really cool live streaming platforms. Um, just a friendly reminder that you are loved, you are valued, and you are worthy. All right, Autobots, roll out. Roll out.